So let's talk about cases here. So a 65-year-old male patient diagnosed with a stage four sigmoid cancer, synchronous metastasis, unresectable. He's in good performance status and has minor right upper quadrant discomfort, likely from his liver metastasis, but otherwise no really tumor-related symptoms, no signs of bowel obstruction, um, MMR expression, you know, MMRP, so no MSI high or MMRD phenotype. No RAS or BRAF mutations are found. In first-line treatments, Falfox-Panitumab, um, good to response. Four months of treatment, he developed neurotoxicity, so eight cycles of treatment, which is starting to affect his activities of daily living. So that's a standard left-sided RAS, RAF, wild-type tumor uh, treated with appropriate treatment, Falfox-Panitumab. So what do you do now? So you're eight cycles in, patient has response, is still responding, has some mild sense neuropathy, but it's in, and has sense neuropathy which is affecting, starting to affect activities of daily living, uh, but it's working. So, and this is for the audience now, for you to choose on. Um, I, okay, so you continue Falfox Panitumab, you continue with 5 of you Panitumab maintenance, or 5-FU and panitumab alone, you switch to KBEV as maintenance therapy, switch to Fulfiri plus panitumumab, you want to give complete break from therapy or something else. And if it's something else, you need to tell me what it is. Okay, so we see the answers in real time, which is great. Okay, so you can see whether you're right. There's no right or wrong, actually, here. I think there are preferences, yeah? Okay, so Eric, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with what the majority said. That's what I would do also. Um, I would um, take off the oxaliplatin a little bit like a stop and go or maintenance strategy that Emily de Gramont has developed. Uh, we do have less data, as formally speaking, into that in the literature. Uh, these initial data were with Falfox or Kpox uh, plus Bevacizumab. But in the setting, if uh, if we choose for Fulfox Panitumab, which is a good choice, I think, in this patient, uh, that's what I would do, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, as you said, the data are not that solid for egf septa antibody maintenance. There was and something last year. Sorry? There was something last year, but I can't There's remember. A, the, the Valentino yeah, study. Yeah. Italian study. On yeah, the Valentino study, which actually compared five of you panitumab to panitumab single agent, and the addition of a fluoroprimidine to panitumab was actually helping patients have longer progression-free survival. Um, now, Pashtun, you know, why not switch to KBEV? Because we have I a was, lot more data, is it? I was about to say, and also from a, I guess from a quality of life perspective, a 5-FU maintenance with the panitumab means every two weeks visit with a pump to go home with for another 46 hours, as opposed to one doctor visit with pills at home and a 15-minute to 30-minute bevacizumab push. I guess with the you know the maintenance KBEV, I think is underutilized as a maintenance strategy. Um, after four to six cycles of upfront you know xaliplatin-based chemotherapy, I switched to such a regimen. I, I think it's from a quality of life standpoint. I think it's 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 a good uh, switch. Well, you could switch it to you could switch it to Zalota PMAB, and then it's in Q3 week schedule. Yeah, yeah but in the guidelines, in the European guidelines, we say don't combine yeah. uh, and uh, the antibodies with the Cape side. I mean, yeah. there are the data from the yeah. English yeah. study that says you should yeah. not do that. But have we? But we've all done it. Yeah. 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 yeah, it wouldn't make any Agreed. sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so so Dr. Ilson said, you know, there's no real reason to switch to bevacizumab yeah. because, you know, patient's stable on that. But I think, you know, what we ignore, there's two points. I mean, great discussion. I mean, uh, continued uh, egf receptor antibodies as maintenance therapy and not as, let's say, quality of life friendly, you know, as, as bevacizumab, which is virtually non-toxic. We... All guidelines suggest you cannot, you should not combine capsidin with an EGF septa antibody that's based in European and NCCN guidelines. But have you done it? No. Never? I've never done it. Really? Sorry, I follow guidelines. I'm, ger- I'm German, you know? <laughs> I've, I have done it in a few patients, and it's, it's tolerated fine. Okay, but it, it, there was some, also some negative interaction with activity, you know? So, but there's a reason why the NCCN guidelines specifically say no to that. There is um, a trial that is doing a maintenance uh, cape with anti-GFR. Um, it would be interesting to see the results. We, what we don't know is, you know, the study that we talked about, 5-FU plus panitumab showed the combinations better than panitumab. What we don't know is whether the fluoroprimidine alone, capsidabin, could actually be. That's a German study which is ongoing. We don't have the results yet. But I think we have a consensus, you know, you, so you drop the oxaplatin, you continue with five of you panitumab based on data. Okay, so that's exactly what the patient did. Continued with five of you panitumab, stable disease after two months, but then really relatively fast progression of disease after four months, you know? Um, of course, now, do you do CTDNA tests now to look for RAS and BRAF mutations? I mean, that's something which we talked about. Is this something you already integrate in your practice? And you can ask, you know, what's a CTDNA assay? Um, then we'll educate you about these things, and is, we'll talk more about this actually quite a bit. Um, so I think this is kind of the cutting edge emergent, you know, field. so no, yes, kind of balancing in between those. Okay, not sure. I don't think we necessarily utilize this exactly unless, you know, at this point in time, Eric pointed out there are trials going on, ongoing right now looking at rechallenging with EGF receptor antibodies based on negative CTDNA for these mutations. But I strongly believe, you know, the yeses will turn into the majority at some point in the next five years uh, because that's what's going to happen. I don't think we need to talk about this more. You know, it's an emergency. We'll talk a little bit more about these next slide. So what do you choose a second-line treatment now? Let's say you didn't do a CTDNA test. Do you go to FOLV, and the FOLV theory is renotecan plus BF, so you don't have, uh, you continue an EGF-septin antibody beyond progression, um, use a renotecan, a single agent, and Rego, TAS-102, or you would really look at the CTDNA analysis and see whether you continue um, EGF-septin antibody or uh, switch to bevacizumab clear radiographic progression, shortly into maintenance therapy, yeah. Okay, Falfiri Bev, yep. unanimous. Yeah, Do you use a renotecan Bev or Falfiri Bev? Falf- oh, Falfiri, yeah. yeah. Unless there's a lot of toxicity yeah. and you know, I want something milder. Okay. I think importantly, no one, there was not even an option of reintroducing oxaliplatin, which I think yeah. is an important you, thing to point out that right. the progression was too rapid. And it's you didn't mention rapid. the PS, so we're presuming the PS is still good. Yeah, yeah uh, yes. It's I mean, all these patients are athletes, you know, they're, they're great. <laughs> yeah. Now, patients receives Fulfiribev, you know, that we all agreed on. And the third line treatment, now this patient is now some time out from Falfox, so 
Can we use Fallfox again? Should we use Rego, Talos 102, or again, something else? And um, so Pashtun, what is your threshold to use Fallfox compared to Rego or Talos? I guess it depends on uh, how the patient presented in terms of progression. Uh, if it was uh, clear progression, I would worry, I would lean towards uh, reintroducing oxaliplatin, which can work in the, depending on the study, at least a third, if not more. And then you could reserve the, uh, or bridge the person to a trial uh, at the time. Uh, so I think the reintroduction of oxaliplatin, since we, the patient never progressed, it was just given a break, yeah. is important to remember. So I mean, the right answer, of course, would always be clinical trial. You know, because that is, I mean, that's why I didn't put it on there, because that's always the right answer. And we should not have an underestimate that patients who are still in good performance status, you know, will be, um, uh, will still be uh, candidates for clinical trials. Very quick, a second uh, case, 65-year-old male patient, now peritoneal, retroperitoneal metastasis. Um, now it's actually symptomatic. And uh, it's so clinically symptomatic, again, MMRP, no RAS and BRAF mutation. Um, that's a sequel cancer now. So that's a right-sided tumor. So question is, what would you choose as first-line treatment? Right-sided tumor. RAS, RAF, wild type. And that's our last discussion that we have here. He's an athlete. He's an athlete. He's 65. Yeah, he's an athlete. 65 years. I mean, 65. The older I get, the younger my patients are, you know? So, I mean, 65 looks very young, you know? I mean, critically young, you know? Younger and younger each year. Younger and younger each year. I mean, gosh, you know, when you start looking at your retirement portfolio and think, you know, you know, anyway. We missed, was he RAS and RAS wild type? BRAF also? Yeah, BRAF wild type. It was all wild type, but right sided tumor. You see, it's a triplet versus doublet in Bev. Kathy, would, what's, would you do that in a marathon runner, a 65-year-old marathon runner? Sure. What's your cutoff? Would, who would not be a candidate for triplet? Actually, 65 is kind of close. I have to be honest. Well, depend performance status. You're, you're totally looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> performance status obviously is the most important aspect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, Eric, in Europe, especially when you're in Italy and you live in Pisa, I mean, there's really no limit I see for a triplet, right? Yeah, the Italians, but maybe Italians are stronger than other Europeans. Uh, <laughs> the Italians will get Folfoxiri in Pisa. In my center, we will treat n not with Folfoxiri. Uh, we will give a doublet uh, in, in view of the sequencing. And uh, I'm not convinced that if you l take everything into account, benefit risk in a patient like that, with, if I'm got it right with peritoneal metastasis. Symptomatic that, disease. Yeah, symptomatic, that I think the doublet plus bevacizumab uh, in okay. our setting would be the, our preferred okay. choice. Okay, so you have two choices, you do know. You, do you have an age limit at your center for triplet? There is no age limit. When there is, um, we, we use very lim uh, very very few uh, triplets in colorectal cancer uh, in our yeah. center. Uh, it's not li age limit. Um, um, it's, let's say, a discussion with the patient sometimes, but the majority, I will propose a doublet, not Okay, a some more agreement toward triplet in a symptomatic right-sided cancer, you know, with a one-time chance to really get a response, because I'm worried about, and this is for the, how the, for the case was built up, I'm worried about, you know, this patient might not have a second-line treatment. Okay, 
Thank you very much.